Good morning. Welcome to church. Well, if you're here uh, for the first time, as you can see, we're in a, uh, a series right in the middle of it called Vengeance. And, uh, you know, as, you, as it describes, this is the tension that we live in, in our lives. Uh, maybe you come in here uh, and, and this is what's happening. You're feeling the tension. Maybe it was in the past. And, and if you're younger, th- this may be your future. Uh, and, and so before we get started with our, our lesson today, I wanted to offer up a prayer for the uh, families affected by uh, the shooting there in uh, Colorado. Let's pray together. This morning, uh, we come before you asking for help. Uh, God, it happens too often in our nation. Uh, God, it, it, it does affect us, God, when, when lives, innocent lives are taken for no apparent reason. Uh, I do pray for the families that are affected, that have lost their, one, lost their loved ones, that you'll comfort them, that you'll bring good from this. Uh, God, we pray for those that are injured, that you'll give them full recovery. And I pray as a nation, God, that you'll help us to deal with our hurt in the way that you teach us to, in the way that Jesus modeled it for us. Uh, I know all of us have hurt in our lives, but we pray you'll... Please bless this time in this service. Thank you for Jesus. Hear our prayer and bless this, this, this lesson that we're about to look at. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as you saw in the intro video, you, you've got things like hurt, mistrust, uh, all these things that, that happen in our lives, insults, misunderstandings. Go on in relationships. And... You know, what we're going to look at today is when we get hurt, this is the whole point of of the lesson, is when we get hurt, how do we respond? Where do we go with that hurt? And all of us have. Maybe you've got hurt in your past, you know, not too far distant past. Maybe maybe when you were growing up, maybe in your family. Maybe maybe you're right in the middle of hurt. Maybe you're right smack in the middle of of pain. But I assure you, and, and, and many of us that are younger... It, it, it very well may be in your future. Hurt. How we manage it is huge. And what we do with hurt in our lives. And that's the whole point of, of this series is, is that, that you and I, and it's relevant right now in our society. It's relevant right now in our lives. And, you know, when I started this series, I shared uh, with you guys last week, we, we looked at this passage. And, and this is what God tells us in a, in a in a book in the New Testament uh, that's called Romans. And this is what one of the apostles, the follower or follower of Jesus, this is what he taught with regard to how to manage hurt. When you get hurt, when someone hurts you, when someone offends you, when there's misunderstanding, when there's insults. Romans 12, verse 17, it says, Never pay back evil to anyone. So is it justifiable to have a payback? And, you know, there's a desire in all of us and every single one of us. When somebody hurts us, we say, "Okay, if that's what's going to happen, here you go. I'm going to pay you back. Somebody's got to pay. So here you go. It's a desire that wells up in all of us. But but the scriptures are teaching and, and God's telling us, no, there's another way. Don't do it. Don't give in to vengeance because something happens when you exact vengeance on someone, 
It affects you. It changes you. And that's what we talked about, you know, last week. It, 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 a part of you dies. And then in verse 19, it says here, never take your own revenge. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. And what this passage talks about is that God's going to take care of it. He is going to be the one that exacts revenge. And He will bring about justice. But you know, that's a huge step for many of us to let go and let God. And if you're, if you're a guest here with us today, if you're visiting here, we're really glad you're here. And I, I hope that, that the lesson we look at today can really help you. Sorry about the, the, the sound. I've got to confess that this, this, this series has really helped me. Because when we started into it, I had to do an inventory in my own life, in my own relationships. And this is one of the things that we looked at last. Are you aware of your subtle ways of taking revenge? Are you aware of those things? Are you aware of the subtle ways that you take revenge? And usually it happens with the people that we love. People that we're close to. And we're not even aware of it. But it's just a, it's a desire that wells up in us. And mm, okay, you heard me, so here you go. And I had to write a list. You know, when we began the series right before last week, I, I, I had to do a personal inventory and... Okay, one of the things that I talked about, one of my subtle ways is I'm going to put you in the, you know, the mute room. I'm done with you room. And I had to go back in my history and say, do I have any people in the I'm done with you room? And guess what? A list of names came up. And I go further back and ask, why did that happen? And probably the one that was most significant that really it really got me to see is, is somebody that was instrumental in my life as a young minister. And, and I can remember exactly why and what happened. But this series confronted me. And it helped me to see that this is what I do. We talked about this last week. Here, here are some of the subtle ways that we take revenge. We withdraw. We pull back from people. The I'm done with you room. Uh, you and I aren't going to have this kind of relationship anymore. I'm done with you. We'll say hi. I'll be nice. <laughs> you know, but I'm done with you. You, you. I'm not letting you in my room anymore as a friend. Or we've been little people. These are the, the sharp, intelligent people. They, they, they put people down. They're very good with words. They're sharp. They're intelligent. And they have a great piercing comeback. You hurt me. You insulted me. So here you go. I'll make you... Like an ant. Because I have that gift. Uh, or else we'll hold a grudge. This is another one. You know, we'll just, mm, I, mm, I feel this about you. And I'm going to give it to you. You know, and, and I, a brother, uh, he, he called me. And it's funny because he called me after the series last week. And I said, you know, we, we like the movies. You know, revenge. We like the movies. So he called me Sunday afternoon and, and let me know. Hey, in honor of, of vengeance, uh, this afternoon or this evening, I'm watching The Punisher. You know? And I just I was going through the, the, the history of The Punisher. And we like these movies, and our, and our, 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 our society says 
yeah, there needs to be revenge. And, and we look up to these superheroes or these people that are going to exact revenge. And God is saying, no, that's not the answer. Revenge is not the answer because you are a person as, as, as you take and uh, suppress when we suppress things. And those are the people that are the stuffers. The stuffers. And, you know, I got I to gotta share about this story because I got to be open about the, the most significant way that this lesson has, has affected me. There was a minister early in my life before I even went in the ministry and I was wanting to go in the ministry, I, I moved to Boston. I graduated from college and I moved to Boston to get trained in the ministry. I wanted to go and be a missionary in, in Latin America. And God put this dream. And so I went to Boston. And, you know, God had done some amazing things in my campus ministry. Uh, a number of young men had become uh, college students. It went from like six of us to 40 of us in, in two years. You know, and for me, in my world, that was pretty good. You know, and, and these were, you know, men of influence and, and I, I felt like God had used me. So I go to Boston and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Right. I'm feeling pretty confident. So I go with the minister that I'm going to work with. I, I got a part time job to support myself. And then I was going to train for free for the church to learn how to be a minister. And so this guy who was going to train me. I came up to him and I said, hey, so I'm here. What do you want me to lead? And he goes, who are you? I said, yeah, I'm, 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 you know, I'm from, from Florida and I'm here and I, I did all these great things. And, you know, but, but, but there was something that exuded in me. And he characterizes, you are so prideful. And he said, why don't you start leading your life before you start talking about what you're going to lead in ministry? And so him and I, you know, because of my pride, had, had some, some, at least him with me, I was, I was a challenge for him. And I'll admit it. Yeah, I'm, I, I, that's always going to be my challenge. But then he went to another minister, the guy who was training me those first few months, and he went to another ministry, minister and he said, he said, listen, I don't know if I can work with this guy anymore. He's, so, he's probably the most prideful person I've ever, ever doesn't make you feel good when you hear these things, you know, but it was true. It was true. And so the other minister heard this and he said, you know, I'll take them. Let me have them. And the reason why he wanted to work with me is because that was his reputation prior to getting the training and getting help and getting mentored. So he took me on and going from, you know, the guy who thought I was the most prideful and, you know, disgusted by my pride and to the guy who said, I, I believe in you and I'm going to help you work on your pride. And so we lived together for uh, about a year and a half, me uh, and then two other guys in a singles household. And he trained me. He worked on my pride. He, he loved in me. He believed in me. And, and he confronted, you know, areas in my life. But he connected. Then, he, you know, I, he, put, he was one of the ones that put me in the ministry. Uh, I was working with teenagers. And, and then, uh, you know, I met Laura. And, and he was mentoring me in that relationship. Uh, and then he was, he was the best man in my wedding. One of my best men. And so he had a tremendous impact on my life. 
But something happened in 2005 when I moved back here. He was, he was like, as we've talked about before, th- this minister, my mentor, was on my board of directors. And, and we talked about this before. Everybody should have a, a group of people that surround you that help you make this critical decisions in your life. He was one of those people. But, you know, I, was, came, I came here to L.A. and, and it was, was, you know, going through a lot, feeling a lot. And so I was calling, calling, calling. And he has two special needs children, very, very intense special needs. So he was battling his own stuff at home, battling his own stuff with his ministry. And he wasn't getting back to me. And, and I felt like he was pulling back from our relationship and maybe other relationships. But it really had to do with his situation. And I remember sitting at my desk. I remember when I said it and when I did it. I left a voicemail. I felt incredibly hurt. I hung up the phone. And I said, I'm done with him. I can't be in a relationship with somebody who's not reciprocating the relationship. Now, it wasn't the hurt that I was feeling with just him. You know how hurt kind of rolls around and mutates? It grows like a cancer. It spreads. So you've got hurt over here. You, you combine it with hurt here, and it grows. And then, guess what happens? And I remember, and, and you know, the week before last, I was going through this history, and I was remembering. And I felt so bad. I said, that's so, that's so ugly. And then I, I was remembering how he helped me, how he's my best man in my wedding, and I'm going... This is really sad. This is really ugly that I would do this. I'm a minister. How can I put people in a I'm done with you room? You know, and and this study vengeance really opened my eyes that I can't in any way do this kind of stuff. We've got to let it go. So today what we're going to talk about is, is, is this progression and how do you manage hurt? How do you deal with hurt? And, and the first thing we look at is the progression of things. This, this is what happens when we get hurt. Like war, for example, 9-11, the most you know, obvious. When we went to war, 9-11, they hurt us. The terrorists hurt us. So what do we do? We go to war, right? We go to war. And then what's the objective of war? To win. But you have these two possibilities, win or lose. Well, the same would apply to this, that in, in life, when we get hurt, when we get hurt, guess what we do? We go to war. We go to war. And how we go through this, this process will determine one of the two outcomes, life or death. This is huge. And and I want you to understand that you have to make a critical decision on how you're going to manage hurt in your life. I made a very bad decision with my mentor. And and we got a chance to talk for a while this week. First time we talked in five years. Can you believe that? It felt so bad. But you know how I felt when I hung up the phone? I'll tell you about it later. 
So this process here, war, we're going to break this down and look at because this word war is an acronym for how the Bible can teach us and how I want to help you manage your hurt in a way that will lead to life, not death. It's crucial. And so the first, the W in the war is this. Wrestle. Our tendency is when we get hurt, guess what we do? Push it down. We push it aside. I'm not going to deal with this. I'm done. We shut down. We walk away. Guess who's, guess who's most guilty of this? Men. Guess what we do, men? Hey, you hurt me? Okay. Cool. I'm a Christian, so I'm not going to punch you. I'm not going to go after you. But, hey, I'm done. That's the worst thing to do. Or women. When women, they bottle up. You know, get the tight lip. Mm. You know? And we, we mm, you know? Okay? Wrestle. What you need to do when you get hurt is wrestle. You know what I had to do the week before last? You wrestle. I got the list of names. Started making phone calls. That one that I described to you was the most, like, convicting. It, it broke my heart. But I had to wrestle with it initially. I had to, to, to just, you know, mm, I got to deal with this. I got to go back and ask questions. Why? You know, and, and, and go through this. Look what, what, what wrestling does. Jesus said this. If you're going to be a follower of mine, this is what it means. Blessed are those who mourn. When you wrestle with things, you've got to be willing to embrace pain. You've got to be willing to embrace hurt. And, and pushing it aside, it won't go away. It's just postponing. You've got to be willing to do it. Jesus said that. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who engage. Because what? They will be what? Comforted. If you don't wrestle, you won't resolve. You won't change. It won't get resolved. And it won't go away. So that, that's the W part of the, of the war. Now, the second letter is advice. Advice. Advise. It's supposed to be advice. Okay, so just change the letter. Okay, advice. Advise is when you give it. Advice is when you get it. Here's a verse that talks about that. Proverbs 15, verse 22. Plans fail for a lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. You know, all of us right now in our lives, there's, there's three things, three categories you're in with it when it regard to advice. You're getting good advice. You're getting bad advice. Or guess what most of us are doing? We're getting no advice. None. You say this, I got this. I got this. I don't need your help. I don't need your help. I got this. Right? That's, that's a bad idea. That's a real bad idea. And, and, and for, for, for you and I, it's so critical. You know why we need advice when we're hurt? You know when the worst time to make a decision is? When you're emotional. 
Don't make a decision. When you're hurt, like the background, the screen, you know, our whole theme is red in, in, our, in, our, in our theme. Even the ushers dressed in red today. He's talking about vengeance. When you're emotionally hurt, when you're feeling a lot, guess what? You can't see straight. You lose perspective. Worst thing to do in your life is make a decision. Here's what I'm going to do. So what do you do? You pull back and you say, hey, help me with my situation. Can you give me perspective? Because I don't see straight. All I see is red. So I'm asking you for some advice. Because you're going to be objective. Now, some friends may give you bad advice because they'll join you in your red feelings. That's not a good friend. That's not a good advisor. You need somebody objective, somebody with, with, with a spiritual perspective who wants to do God's will versus what you want. It's huge. This is critical that you get advice. Then you can make good decisions. And this is, this is how you can work your way out. Now, here's something when you're getting advice. When people are trying to help you. Now, advisors are these people. If you're married, your wife, your husband... You know, uh, it could be in the church. I, I believe every single member of our church needs a faith partner. And if you want to grow, which I hope all of you want to grow, you need a mentor. You need someone that's going to help you elevate. But there are too many of us that we don't have people involved in our lives. And guess what the outcome is? You're going to get hurt. You're going to be in a situation. You have no advisors. You have nobody in your life. If you're a guest here today, you probably don't have anybody with, with, you know, some perspective, biblical perspective, and you're going to make a bad decision. That's going to affect the rest of your life. And here's something that, that, you know, when people are trying to help you, when you allow them in, pay attention to the things that you're defensive about. Why is that? Because if you get defensive about something, there probably is an issue behind that button. You know, you, you've got some things that you need to unpack in that issue. If you're super defensive, you know, if the gloves come out and you're like, and this is your advisor. This is somebody who's trying to help you. And you're like, but you don't understand. And see, I got to say, my wife was telling me about this minister, the man who was my mentor. She's saying, you need to call him. You need to call him. Because she, she's best friend's with his wife. This goes way back. And, and she actually studied, his wife studied the Bible with my wife. That's how significant this couple was in our lives. And so my wife's saying, you need to call him. You go, and, but I would, I would be defensive with her. And I would say, you don't understand what he did. And, and, and I got defensive. And, and what I needed to do, when I, what I did was I needed to unpack. Why am I being defensive? Because there's hurt. Because there's stuff. And i got to get out of this. And i got to unravel it. And so this is huge. You know that passage that we looked at? Plans fail for lack of counsel. You know what else, you know what else fails when you don't have advisors in your life? When you don't get advice? Marriages fail. Relationships fail. Families fail. And lives fail simply because we don't have people involved in our lives to give us perspective. 
And it's sad. It's an epidemic right now in our lives. People are going to get hurt. But because they have no advisors, because they're isolated, because they're on their own, because they're defensive, they're making a mess of their lives. And guess what they take away? They're going to start a relationship with somebody else and they're going to make a mess of that relationship. They're going to make a, that, a mess of that situation. So, no, I'm not. I'm starting fresh. I'm starting a whole new relationship. And this person's going to be different. But you're not different. You're the same. And not only that, you've got baggage. You've brought it with you. You've got excess baggage. And so when you get to this point, it's important that you do this. Okay, so you got, you got, you know, wrestle, get advice. And then the last one is your response. Your response. This is the way to, to process hurt. Now, this is crucial. This point is crucial. Because this is going to determine whether you move in the direction of life or you move in the direction of death. And this is huge, how you respond. You wrestled, you got advice, now it's time to make a decision. Now it's time to do something. Some of you had a list. I encourage you to make a list. What have you done? Have you followed up? I'm not going to put you on blast, but I'm just saying, this is going to make a difference between you moving towards life or you moving towards death. A part of you is going to die. If you don't deal with this stuff, it's huge because you're exacting vengeance and you don't even realize it in response. Here's what the Bible teaches us about how to respond. In verse 20 of Proverbs 11, it says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Is your response prideful? You know, in, in different counseling situations, when we've unpacked things in the past with people's lives, I can remember talking to people that had issues with a family member, and they described it this way. If my family member were to be hit by a truck, it wouldn't, wouldn't bother me at all. You go, what? You realize that's a murderous thought, right? But see, that's the level of hurt that's buried. You have a choice when you're hurt. You can respond. You can do this. You can bow up. and You can get defiant and say, I'm not moving. I'm not changing. I'm right. They're wrong. This is justifiable. Or you can be humble. You can be humble with pride. And I don't, I don't know how your experience is, but I'm sure for that first minister that I work with, I wasn't a lot of fun to work with. Have you ever hung around somebody extremely prideful? I mean, real prideful. It's not a lot of fun. They're like, man, i got to get away from this guy. Or this woman, man, she's full of herself. You know? And you know what happens. You know the time goes by and what happens to that prideful person. Bam! I don't know why, but it happens. 
They fall flat on their face and they have a whole pie of humility. And it's not cherry pie. It's humble pie. And you stand over there and go, you see, that's prideful. And that's what you get. Bon appetit. If you're humble pie. Right? But with humility, with humility, what happens? You get wise. You get smart. Not only are you going to be wise enough to make good decisions yourself, you're going to be able to help other people. Let me tell you what our world needs. More good advisors. You know what our families need? Good advisors. But you're not going to be a good advisor unless you are humble. And then God's going to give you wisdom. And, and this is huge. And, and this humility, as I said before, this humility is crucial because it's at the end there, it's going to describe whether you move towards life or move towards death. Humility takes you to life. Pride takes you to death and pain. And it will lead to the destruction of relationships. You're not going to be the same person. You know, we looked at this video last week of this woman, and, and we're going to put it on the website. But it's an amazing video of this woman whose son was murdered. And she went to the jail because she realized the effects of a lack of forgiveness towards this young man who murdered her son. And she extended forgiveness in jail to this young man. And then when he got out of jail, guess who moved in next door? Guess who has now a great relationship? You've got to watch the video. It's an amazing testimonial, but she says in the video, she says, I did this, I did this for me and my relationship with God. Because if I exact vengeance, if I allow this to eat me up on the inside, I will suffer. My relationships will suffer. And it will lead me to death, to bitterness, to resentment, to anger. And I will not be the same person. And that's huge in, in our walk, in our life. We're going to watch this next video. I want to prepare you for it. Because this is happening over and over again in different communities in our country. And it, 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 it paralyzes us when we see it on the news. But our response will determine a lot and if you even go back to the root of why people do these senseless acts of violence, what's at the root? In almost every case, it's a tremendous amount of hurt that was mismanaged and they snapped. I'm not justifying it. And I'm not trying to diminish how serious and how bad it is. It is awful. But imagine what our world would be like if we decided to follow God's plan instead of, I got this. And I don't care what anybody says. I have a right to be angry. I have a right to, be, to have an edge. And I will have my day of justice. Let's watch this video. In the beautiful hills of Pennsylvania, a devout group of Christian people live a simple life without automobiles, electricity, or modern machinery. They work hard. 
and live quiet, peaceful lives separate from the world. Most of their food comes from their own farms. The women sew and knit and weave their clothing, which is modest and plain. They are known as the Amish people. Thirty-two-year-old milk truck driver lived with his family in their nickel mines community. He was not Amish, but his pickup route took him to many of the Amish dairy farms, where he became known as the quiet milkman. Last October, he suddenly lost all reason and control. In his tormented mind, he blamed God for the death of his first child and some unsubstantiated memories. He stormed into the Amish school without any provocation, released the boys and the adults, and tied up ten girls. He shot the girls, killing five and wounding five. Then he took his own life. This shocking violence caused great anguish among the Amish, but no anger. There was hurt, but no hate. Their forgiveness was immediately. Collectively, they began to reach out to the milkman's suffering family. As the milkman's family gathered in his home the day after the shootings, an Amish neighbor came over and wrapped his arms around the father of the dead gunman and said, We will forgive you. Amish leaders visited the milkman's wife and children to extend their sympathy, their forgiveness, their help, and their love. About half of the mourners at the milkman's funeral were Amish. In turn, the Amish invited the milkman's family to attend the funeral services of the girls who had been killed. A remarkable peace settled in on the Amish as their faith sustained them during this crisis. It was an amazing outpouring of their complete faith in the Lord's teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. Do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. Question I want to ask you today. What have people done to you that has created that hurt in your life? I see it with young people towards their parents. They're angry with their parents. There's a lot of hurt. I see it with parents with their children. But they're frustrated. They're angry at their children for the choices they made, the hurt that they've caused them. What if all of us, I see it in husbands and wives, have been hurt and have pulled back, and it gets worse. It leads to separation and divorce. It leads to really, really bad decisions. What if all of us imitated this Amish community and decided we're going to follow the teachings of the Lord Jesus? It says, forgive because you've been forgiven. Do good to those 
And that's what that passage in Romans 12 talks about. Do good to your enemies. Don't take revenge on anyone, no matter what they've done. And what was described over the whole Amish community came over their lives and their community. Why? Because they removed the evil from their own hearts. They left it with the milkman. This is exactly what's happening in Aurora College. People are wrestling with an unexplainable event. Why? And so much hurt. A baby. A young girl. A young man. But yet we've got such petty things in our lives that we're holding on to. And we're exacting vengeance on people. And I don't know what your situation is. Maybe it's not petty. Maybe it's serious. There's a tremendous example right here that if you follow God's plan, even though you don't even believe maybe necessarily that that, that the Bible is the Word of God, just follow it and you'll come to faith. Because it works. It's a detox. It's a life changer. So in this area of surrender, this is what I had to do weeks ago. And I remember when I was facing it. I had to raise the flag and say, God, I'm done fighting. I'm done with with revenge on the people that I love. I don't want to be one of those people that, that grow old and can look back in his life or her, her life and, and, and see all these cadavers of relationships that were ended and have a list of people that they've never spoken to in years and years exacting vengeance on them or belittling them or holding a grudge against them or suppressing. I made a decision to surrender. To raise the flag. I'm done fighting. I'm done exacting revenge. It's your choice what you do. It's your choice what you are going to decide. But it's crucial. I want to to warn you. I want to encourage you in love and concern about your life. Both members of our church and guests here today with us. I want to encourage you. If you exact vengeance, a part of you will die. I don't want that. I want to be hardness. I want to be free from resentment, bitterness. No matter where you are in your life, this can happen. And guess what happened when I raised the flag, made the phone call this past Week, I had a long, long conversation with my long-lost friend. And I told him, I said, listen, I want to tell you I'm sorry. Because I took vengeance on you. 
I was hurt. You pulled back. And I said, I'm done with you. You know what my friend said? I understand. I was going through a lot myself. I was, I was, I was grappling with the pain of my own situation. And I didn't mean to, but yes, I got consumed with my life. And so forgiveness was extended both ways. I have incredible news for you today. I got my friend back. And I told him, I said, I don't have any agenda. I just want our friendship. And you're a trusted advisor in my life. And he said, well, you're a trusted advisor in my life too. And so he's back on the board. But how I, had, I not, had I not surrendered to God, that's one more relationship. If you don't surrender, it's your relationship. It's your heart. It's your life. Look at what Jesus said here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not what I want, what you want. When you surrender to God, if you want to say you are a Christian, you are a follower of Jesus, this flag, this flag must go up in your life. You must surrender your will to His will. It is the ultimate struggle in our lives, in our relationships. Now here's the incredible thing. You don't have to surrender to the people that hurt you. You don't have to surrender to him or her or them. There's only one you need to surrender to. And that's God. People are going to hurt you. But you must surrender to God. And then things start over. And as I hung up the phone this past week with my friend, a peace came over me. A part of my life opened up was free. A burden was lifted. You know where that came from? God. He knows what He's talking about. He knows about you and how you're wired and what's going on in you more than you do. You know, and I think some of you have got some incredibly complicated situations to deal with. I realize mine's pretty minor. Maybe you've got some incredible damage, abuse, something really, really bad in your background. And it's like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to do this. You don't understand. I don't. But God does. And I want to recommend that you get help. Maybe you need help from a professional. Counselor, I've gone to counseling. I believe in it. I believe that you've got to sometimes sit down with somebody who's a professional. Maybe you need to go through grief recovery. Maybe you need to go through divorce care. Maybe you need to get with a Christian counselor who will open the Bible with you that has, you know, 
a background in counseling and working with people that is that is studied and learned how to help people unpack their hurt and then go in the right direction. But do not, do not remain in hurt. Go to war. Wrestle. Get advice. And respond with humility. And this is the ultimate response. Raise the flag. I surrender, God. I surrender to you. In this process, your relationships will live or they will die. Your marriage will live or will die. Your family will live or die. And you as a person, in its different degrees and different situations for everybody, but some part of your life will perish. I'm saying don't do it. God is saying don't take revenge. Let God do it. And in conclusion, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 38 and 39, Jesus, when faced with the pressure and, and the burden of dying for our sins, he said this to his apostles in the Mount of Olives the night before he was crucified. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here with me and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, Father, if it is possible, May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus was wrestling. He was wrestling with the pain and the humiliation and the burden of what was about to happen to him. And you know what Jesus did in that moment? He wrestled. The Bible says that he had advisors up there in the mountain with him, angels. Counseling him. Strengthening him. And then he made the right response. He surrendered. Not my will, but yours be done. Over and over again. And I don't know what it's going to take maybe to convince you, but over and over again, there are so many great examples in our church, in our communities, in our world. People that choose to surrender and do it God's way, live those that don't, they die. And parts of their lives die. And many times can never be resurrected. It's a sad truth. That's why we're doing this series. That's what this is all about. So I want to leave you with this. You know, and, and I appreciate all the encouragement. Many people come to me and say, you know, I appreciate vengeance. I appreciate all the series that we've been doing. Let me tell you this. There is no series worth its salt unless lives change. Be doers of the word. Take action this week. Start wrestling. Get advice. And be humble. Surrender to God and His will. Well, I don't know God. I've been, I'm, not, I'm not a church-going person. I'm not, I'm not about this. You don't understand. You've got to come to know faith. 
You've got to roll up your sleeves and start praying and start reading your Bible. Reach up and out. It was awkward for me at first. It's awkward for everybody. But I'm so glad I did it. And I'm so thankful that God allows me to be close to Him. And He still forgives me and gives me another chance. And if you're a guest here today, I want to encourage you to do our core four Bible studies. These are four Bible studies that can change so much of your life. And you can see the people at guest services on your way out today. And then last of all, men, I want to speak to you today. In our community, in our world, men are portrayed as tough and strong and manly men when they exact vengeance. When they go out and take vengeance, that's strength. That's a man's man, let me tell you. That's stupid. It takes greater strength not to take vengeance. Jesus was the strongest man that ever walked this earth because he took all the sin, all the hurt of this whole world, and instead of exacting vengeance and judgment, he says, I take it. I take it. And I will exact no vengeance. That's our model as men. And we have to look at the world's examples and say it's counterintuitive. It's backwards. I choose not to follow the world. I choose to follow Jesus. And let me tell you, your family will be grateful. Your friends will be grateful. And your relationships will live and thrive because you're a man's man. The way God determined it. And that's what I want to be. Let's pray for our communion. Holy God, we thank you for forgiveness. And God, here today, I want to raise the flag again. I surrender. I surrender my pride. I surrender my will. That today, that you'll help us to let you lead our lives. Please forgive me, God. I don't want to be the man that I'm tempted to be. I pray for all of us to receive forgiveness before you today. Thank you that Jesus came here to die for our sins. Thank you that he surrendered so that we might live. Please forgive us for all the ways that we've hurt people and we've hurt you and we've taken revenge. Please, God, help us to change that this week and to wrestle, to get advice, and to respond with humility. Thank you that we can celebrate Jesus' death and resurrection. Thank you for the communion that we can remember his body and his blood. Please give us a fresh start today as we go forward and leave revenge to you. Thank you, God. Bless this communion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.